0: This is the first message, really, for the year 2024. So, praise God for you that's here and for those that's watching as the Lord is giving us a jump start so that we can begin this year receiving from the Lord and being equipped for what we're going to be facing for this year 2024. That's what preaching and ministry is all about, is to equip us so that when we enter into this year, we enter in with spiritual knowledge and understanding. Now, we can get the knowledge, but then the Holy Spirit has to bring us to the place of understanding so that what we are receiving can become life within us. And this year, we, the title, the theme is Embracing a Greater Purpose, Throughout this year, we're going to talk about purpose. We're going to talk about uh, just breaking that down so that you can get a clear understanding, I believe, what God has been saying. And this has been, I would say, the beginning of this has been warfare already because you talk about purpose and light of things that's happening within the world today, all the turmoil and all of the struggling and striving that's taking place. God is doing something very here in 2024. This year started off, we begin to see where there's a whole lot of. Uh, I, the Bible talks about things that's happening. When we see things happening within the body of Christ, that's one part of it. But at the same time, we, we see something happening even among I- Islam, among the, uh, those that practice Islam. I was hearing on uh, radio the other day that a great number of Muslims are coming to the Lord because Jesus Christ is appearing, him, is appearing to them. He's, he's, he's making His presence known through dreams, through visions and dreams. So, here we begin to see a falling away taking place within the church, but yet we see an implosion taking place in other religions where they're coming to the place of, 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 of knowing Jesus Christ for who He really is, that Jesus Christ is, in fact, Lord. And they're willing to renounce their beliefs, uh, whatever they were embracing beforehand, in order to receive Christ. And one of the things about Islam, we were talking about in the office early on, is the discipline among Muslims. I was uh, in Israel, that one time in Israel, the only time in Israel, and when I was there, I was in the process of negotiating uh, some of the trinkets and some of the things they were selling in the market, you know, walking down that road in, in uh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, we heard the call of prayer for prayer, and when that call went forth, here I am about to make the deal, I'm, we're about to agree upon the deal. He stopped negotiating, and he said, no, no, it's time to pray. He said, it's prayer time. So I began to look at the discipline among those uh, the Muslims where they stopped everything, and I thought about it. I said, how many of us will stop making money in order to pray? Not just hearing the word, because it's time to come into the temple. I mean, we saw uh, just the Temple Mount. We saw just just masses of people coming into the temple because they were coming in for their time of worship. But I was so impressed with the fact that they put prayer over making money, and I said, "Boy, look at this." I said, I, "I told some pastors, the pastors with us. I said that put us to shame. That put us to shame." I said, "We." have a long way to go. So now, I believe that's what's going to happen. I believe we're going to start seeing those that would be least expected to embrace Christ, coming to know Him as He really is. And we're going to see those that had a light understanding or they had a a little grip on Christ, but they did not really grip the truth of God firmly. You're going to start seeing them fall away. So, uh, but we're praying for a revival. We're praying for a, an implosion to take place here in the United States. And I would say particularly right here, we're still praying for God's best to take place, particularly among those of us who are members of this church that's in, this, in the metro Atlanta, in the United States. I want to see God do great and mighty things. So, it's going to take a lot of prayer. It's going to take the faithfulness... Those of you to be faithful in their your prayer, in order for it to happen. Because you can, I can teach until I'm blue in the face, and still not won't see the same results. or see the d- results generated that we're seeking that we seek after. But it's going to take those that have received to engage in some real intense prayer, so that the strongholds can be broken over their lives. Okay, let's look at what we're going to talk about tonight. We're looking at the theme, Embracing a Greater Purpose, and uh, I was doing some research. In fact, I, uh, one of the things I, I examined is that this number 24, I like to uh, look into biblical numerology, and the number 24, what does that number represent? It represents several things, but one of the things that really stood out to me is that the number 24 represented the priesthood it represented the priesthood. And when you think about the priesthood, uh, and I'm going to talk about that tonight, I'm going to talk about the priesthood as it relates to purpose. How, we talk about the priesthood, but the priesthood as it relates to purpose will be the title I use tonight. And the Bible speaks here, in, <clears throat> and I'm, not, I'm just going to mention this, but here in the fourth chapter of Revelations, and it says that the four... And twenty elders fall down before him, they that sat on the throne and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their their crowns uh, before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. That's profound because it talks about elders, those who had spiritual oversight over people, but yet they humbled themselves before Him who sat on the throne. I believe that that's key. That's very significant to understand that the priesthood must reach that state of humility where we recognize that we're under authority, even when we exercise authority, that we're under authority. Now, it talks about the 24 elders as we talk about this year 2024. But as we go into this teaching, I'm going to help you to understand how it includes all of us, how we all are included in this particular event or this thing here. And it says that they took their crowns. Uh, They worshiped the one that, him that liveth forever and ever. Now, I would venture to say, why would you have to say forever and ever? Because it's saying as far as your imagination can, can stretch, or as far as you can extend your imagination, that's forever. But then it says, but he adds to forever and ever, which says that it goes beyond any kind of measure, that we could measure time by. It is forever. And when you come to the end of your measure, or degree of measuring, it says, and, there's a conjunction, and beyond that. That's what it's really saying. And beyond forever. And they cast their crowns. That's their glory. Their crowns, their glory. They cast their crowns before the throne. Now, we understand the crown, uh, the diadem of the crown, was the reward. This has to do with the works of uh, the 24 elders where they had received a crown. Uh, and, and not only that, When he said, after they finished their work, they were crowned. But then they did not just wear their crowns, they took their crowns off of their heads and they cast them down at the, at before the throne, before Jesus Christ, because they realized that the power to carry out whatever they did, or whatever they carried out, it had to do with receiving the power from Him, the one that sat on the throne, that it was the work of the Lord, it was the works of the Lord that empowered them to do the things that they had done. And then He says, "'For thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, uh, honor in, uh, glory, honor, and power,' For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure, for thy pleasure they were, they are rather, they are and were created. They are created and they were created. So we talk about the present and the past, things that were in the past and the things that are in the present. All of those things were, are here for the pleasure of the one who sits on the throne. Now, let's look at this whole thing of, 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 of uh, the priesthood. Let's look at the priesthood here. And we talk about this number 24, the priesthood. There's a word in, in, in Hebrew, it's called, uh, there are many words that help you to understand this whole thing of priesthood. And, and, and these are some of the words, we probably have the K-O-H-E-N, kohen or you may even put a C there. Cohen. we've seen names where people were named Cohen, or Cohen, or Khan. Is that name familiar to you? Khan, K-A-H-N, Khan. We begin to see all of those names, they represent the priesthood. They represent the priesthood. Those names, when you see that name, it represents the priesthood. But then when you look into that, that's a part of that. That represents the reason. But you go deeper into the definition of that word, kohen or con, it means to stand. That's important to understand this. It means to stand. Someone who stands ready before God. That's what it's really saying, in essence, that you're not just standing, but you're standing at attention, awaiting instructions. You're standing ready before God. God is getting ready to speak. That's why I said it's important that we come into the house of the Lord, that we hear the instructions that God has to give us because it is saying in essence, we talk about the priesthood, priests must stand, but we don't just stand, we stand ready. We must stand ready. We're standing at attention. We're standing alert we must have our ears attuned to what God has to say to us. That's what a priest must be. We must have our ears attuned. Now, I'm speaking, we talk about the priesthood of the believer, but I'm going to speak at this particular time particularly to the priest of households, those that are priests over their homes. Now, we understand in a single parent home or if a woman is not married, then, then, then she is, in fact, over the household, but we understand within a marriage situation, and we talk about marriage, honorable marriage situation, husbands and wives, then the husband is the priest of the home. Now, it is saying that we must as as leaders, as priests within our homes, we must stand ready. We must stand ready before God because God has something to say to us. Here in 2024, God has something to say to us. And if we're, not in, if we're not standing ready and at attention, we might just miss what God is in fact saying. Don't ever think God isn't speaking. God is in fact speaking. The question is, are you hearing what God has in fact, what He has in fact to say to us? That's really the question. So now, when we look at the whole thing of, of, of standing of the position that we have to take because we talk about this whole thing, the year of embracing or embracing a greater purpose, embracing a greater, greater purpose, then we understand what are we, in fact, to embrace. First of all, we, and I have a few words that I'm going to put out here to help you understand as we talk about standing because we're going to understand that Uh, what we are to embrace, God will affirm us. There's affirmation. God will affirm us. He will let us know that we are who He says that we are. There's an affirmation. God didn't, you see, whatever the world might have said you are, that's not the most, you see, a lot of teachings on identity. It's not what they say. When you become what they say that you are, then you miss it. But who do, what does God say about you? what has God said about you? What is God saying about you? You see, Jesus Christ is sitting on the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. I'm going to get to that part of intercessory prayer after a while, but understand He has an agenda, but He also is saying something about us. It's something when we hear somebody speaking well of us. When we hear somebody speak, you eavesdrop and you find out that you're the subject, you're, you're, you're the subject that's being discussed at that particular moment, and then you find out that it's positive. They're saying, oh, yeah, by the way, here he is, or here she is. I, we we're just talking about you. And the first thing I said, was it good? <laughs> but, but understand what God does is affirmation and confirmation. We talk about the confirmation, where God confirms us. So that what He has, He, he sets us apart. You, you see, He confirms us. We're confirmed. And then he, he consecrates us. Consecration. Set apart or sanctified for God's exclusive use. Here we are standing, but we're standing for something. We're standing with purpose. We're standing in, in such a way that we're standing, we have a reason to stand. So He has set us apart. I am set apart that I may participate by setting that not First of all, He has set us apart. Let's look at this old thing. God has set you apart. You see, it wasn't your choosing Him, but He chose you. And God set you apart. Out of all the people that could, would have been saved, He chose you. So you've been set apart. God set you apart. But then, once you've been chosen, then we must set ourselves apart. It's not just God setting apart. We set ourselves apart. It is saying, I want to participate in that which God has ordained for me to do. And, and, and understand what happens when we've been set apart. It says, The Bible says many are what? Called, but tr- few are chosen. And, and, and when God calls us, He is saying that you're special to me. I've called you to come to me. I've called you to, 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 I'm drawing you, I've, telling, I've told you, you're getting closer to me now. He said, now I will choose you. I will choose you for a specific task that you may be engaged, engaged in a particular assignment. And now, when we set ourselves apart, we understand, and I'm giving you some overview, uh, circumcision. Circumcision. This was an act that takes place, you understand, the circumcision of male. Uh, so that they are saying that they are under covenant with God. And we understand in our day is the circumcision of the heart. The circumcision of the heart. It is is the fact that even baptism, when we are baptized, what are we saying? This is an outward sign of an inward work. When we are baptized, we are saying that we've been set apart. So now, it all has to do, all these acts, we talk about affirmation, confirmation, Consecration and all of these things taking place, but it goes to this point of First Corinthians chapter ten verse twelve. It says, "Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall." Now, now watch how we put this into this environment because it says that we are priesthood. We're priests. He said so now. The priest is standing. He said, Are you really standing? Are you really standing? Are you really standing? He says, Take heed, pay attention. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed unless he falls. So 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 what is it really saying here? Is that you may be standing for a while. You may be standing tall for a while, but you're standing and you're just one step away from stumbling. You're one step away from stumbling. Something happens, some situation occurs, and then what happens, you are no longer standing as you once stood. It said, now now what you do, here's the thing that really, uh, I I would say that really uh, is a catcher, is that a person many times, those that, he said, who think he's standing, those that have fallen may still think that they're yet standing. Isn't that something? Because what would he say? Take heed, those who think he stands, lest he falls when a person has fallen, but he's still thinking he's standing, something wrong with that individual. Isn't it? Because now he doesn't understand the difference. He cannot distinguish the difference between standing and falling. He says, so take heed let, as you think you stand, take heed lest he fall. Or your stand could be of such that I'm standing, but I'm vulnerable. I'm vulnerable to various situations. I, I'm at a place where my, my, I don't have a strong grip upon this thing. So when things happen, it's just a matter of time before I slip. You see, I think I'm standing. I think that I've given my heart to the Lord. I've given my life to the Lord. I, I've, my, all of my energy, you see, consecration, I've com- committed all to the Lord. And then all of a sudden, let's say, the culture shifts. There's a pandemic. Is that making it real now? There's a pandemic. And you grow accustomed to your environment. And now what happens, you see, the, 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 the uh, level that you once stood, you don't stand as tall as you once stood. Why? Because now, you see, whatever has happened within the environment, You have adapted to the environment. He said, take heed. What does it mean to stand? What does it mean to stand? Well, well, first of all, when we talk about standing, what ought you to stand for? Because if you're standing, it means that you're standing for something. You're standing for something. Let's go back to the priesthood again. The priest, the priest that ministered before the Lord is giving the people instructions in the things of the Lord. And what he is really saying in essence is that he is establishing a standard by which everything else is to be measured by. There is a standard that he is established You see? So, that's what the priest was saying. He said, we are drawing the line to show you this is where the Lord is, and this is what the Lord requires of us. So, when that level has been established, now what happens? People decide, well, I don't think I want to measure up to that level. I don't think this is important. I don't think it's required. Understand this. Yes, what happens when you do not aim at the standard that has been established. You've fallen. You've fallen. You've fallen. You see what it's really saying in essence is that now you've fallen because now you're saying it doesn't take all that. It doesn't take all that. That's, that's something that might have been required back then, but it's not required for us now. And then you get into, I would say, hyper-dispensationalism where you begin to say, oh, that was for them but it's not for us. God has given us liberty. God has given us grace. So, now we can do as we please and live how we want to live. It doesn't require disciplines any longer. You, you see what happened? Take heed. lest You think you stand lest you fall because now when the priest, the priest, we talk about the Word of God now. When I talk about priests, I'm not just talking about a person. We talk about he represents the Word of God, but the person that represents must minister the word of god to us it must be the administration of god's word god's truth god's standard must be established so now you begin to see priests that you see where the tail is wagging the dog what do the people want what what do the people what will keep people coming what would be appealing to the masses so when the when the priest that that's going back to uh, when it talks about it in ezekiel it talks about how the corruption that took place among the priests. They say, well, uh, they, they have gotten to the place where the prophet, the priest, and then you begin to see the princes and even the people uh, engaged in all kinds of compromise. And when those kind of things are taking place, you see now the standard has been reduced to the level of where the people are living. Because the thing is, how can I keep them interested? How can I keep them coming? So so now we talk about a standard that has been compromised. The standard has been compromised. What you ought to stand for, you no longer stand for that. But you stand for something else. Now take heed, lest you think you stand. You may see what's happening with others, but the question we must ask ourselves at the beginning of the year, where do you stand? Where do, I would say, where do you now stand? Did you hear what it says here? It it's said, it's, it's said that it's about who He was, who He is, uh, the things that were and the things that currently are. So, the level or the quality or the attainment, this is what it means when you talk about standard. It is a level of quality or attainment. That's what a standard is. It is a level of quality or attainment. Uh, in other words, we, it, it, they call it standardized, the standardized method. You see, if you, if you don't do things according to the standard, to the standard, then what happens, if it's beneath the standard, then it's going to be rejected. You, you see, I, I, I know in many places where you're manufacturing something, people that manufacture a particular item will make sure that it measures up to a particular standard, a particular standard. I, I, I've, gone to, <laughs> I've gone to restaurants that I was very impressed with because everything was so fresh. Everything was so good, and I really enjoyed it. But then you, after a period of time, that same restaurant began to bring some canned greens and some, 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 some stuff that was quicker because they started cutting corners. They start cutting corners. And when they started cutting corners, I said, now something tastes different about this food than the way it tasted beforehand. It doesn't taste the same. You know what happened? They relaxed their standard because they looked at ways or means of, of, of taking the path of least resistance. They said, just take how much time it'll take to, 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 to clean the greens and then chop them up and soak them and make sure they're clean and then to season them and then you got to wait for, man, how much more, how much easier it would be just to open up a can and just throw them on the heater, throw them on the fire or on a pot and heat them up and serve them to the people. He said, they won't know any difference, but I do. I knew, I know the difference. You, you see, if, if you're maintaining a standard, sometimes it takes longer. It takes longer in order to maintain a particular standard. You can't rush the job if you're trying to maintain a particular. So, so you, you see, so we talk about standardization or things being standardized. standardized. There is an expectation where nothing less than this is expected. I expect you to be. When He calls you a saint, he, there's a certain expectation that the Lord has placed upon your shoulders. If He called you to be a saint, and He does, He calls us to be saints, we belong to Him. You don't belong to the television. You don't belong to the radio. You don't belong to entertainment, the entertainment world. You don't belong to all of those other things that is vying for your attention. But when God says something, then if we belong to Him, my sheep hear my voice, and a stranger, they're not follow. But, but you see what I mean? But, but what God does, He, he brings us to a place whereby He puts us to a place. He said, I want you to measure up to a certain standard. I expect a certain quality of life, not just your, your lifestyle. I want your lifestyle to measure up to a certain standard. You say, well, what's wrong with sleeping around? No, that's not, that's not becoming for a saint. What, what about, oh, he hit on me, she hit on me. I don't care. You have standards. He talked a hole in your head, but you have standards. If you have standards, then regardless of what he, she, or it may say to you, you still must maintain your standard, you see, a woman to have standards, she's just well, it's public property, you see. But but a man that that have standards, he's just public property. But but you see, there has to be standards. Now we talk about things becoming, you see, there are things that's becoming to a saint. I mentioned that already. Their quality level, it's all words having to do with standard level. There's a certain level. There's a grade. Grade A, grade B, grade C, and don't let it go all the way down to D. See, that's, that, that, that's way, that, that's divian. I, I would say when it started going lesser and lesser, I call that divian standards. You see, it, it's way beneath the grade. Your worth, your worth is, is connected to your standard. How much you are. Don't cheapen yourself by relaxing or reducing your standard. Don't cheapen yourself. You're worth more than that. That's what it's saying here. You are worth more than that, you, you see. But, but here's the other part. The standard has to do with guidelines. Guidelines. God has given you guidelines. Now, now, oh, I can't wait to get into this thing about understanding the priesthood, because here's what happens. When you understand the whole thing about cheapening yourself, again, who God says that you are, not who you think you are, is not what they say you are but it's who God says you are, you're more than what they say you are. You're not lesser than, you're more than that. Oh, why don't you take a hit? Why don't you smoke this, drink this, do this, do that? You're more than that. You're bigger than that. You're bigger than that. But when you're not feeling, if you don't know that you're bigger than that, then you treat your life as if you're not worth anything. So, so, yardstick, measure. We talk about different. And, and, and understand being demented when you get to a place where you just cast all caution to the wind. And you just kind of, uh, whatever happens, any way the wind blows. So, so when we come to the beginning of a year, it's time for evaluation as we receive communion, time of self examination and, 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 and understand. When we uh, look at that, a lot of times people think that as long as they think well of themselves, that that will increase their value. If I just think well of myself, you see, I must all—and watch me now, that's what happens to a lot of people. They get pumped up with a whole lot of air, and they get filled with a whole lot of pride because somebody telling you, you're this, you're that, you're, you're the greatest. You're, you, you see, I call that a, a, a cheerleader mentality, a cheerleader uh, a, a ministry. It's telling people that you, you, you're, you're going to be on top. Here's the prophecy. You're going, to get, you're going to get blessed. What's the thing? 24. You're going to have… Okay, let's talk it. You're going to have more. The big door is going to open… In when, twenty four. What else rhyme with it? What else rhyme with twenty four? Don't say poor now. Don't say poor. That, that, that's a curse word. <laughs> you're gonna you to soar. In twenty four. You, you see what I'm saying? So so, so uh, here's how you grow the church. If you don't have a standard, this is how you grow the church. All you got to do is tell people that it's all. I'm okay. You're okay. Everything is okay because all I have to do is tell you that you're okay. And then that's all there is to it. All. That's all there is. But understand, it. no standard established because if you're going to, if you're going to soar in 24, if you're going to, if, the, if you're going to have open door and open door in 24, if you're going to, all those things, it can only happen God's way when you maintain a certain standard. It's not saying that you can't soar. It's not saying you can't have open doors. It's not saying all this other But it can only happen God's way when you maintain His standard. Anything less than that, then it, it's not, it, it, a lot of times it can be counterproductive. So now, understand. So you, you here's what happens. When people think that particular way, and thinking that everything is coming up roses, oftentimes their evaluation of self is the opposite of reality. It is the opposite of reality. When you say, well, I'm rich, I have need of nothing, it says in Revelation, he said, but you're poor, you're you're impoverished. You, You say, you say, but I say otherwise. You see, this is what you say about yourself, but what really matters is what God has to say about the whole matter. Now, I want to read another scripture here about the priesthood because I want you to see what the priesthood, how it operates, and and, and the significance of the priesthood in relation. You know the story of the leper, the leper that was healed. And I'm just going to read it so you can see, you can see this Luke chapter 5, verse 14. Uh, Jesus instructed them, don't talk about this all over time. First of all, this leper had gotten healed. Let me just say this. More. The leper had gotten healed. And, and then the Lord told him, don't talk about it. <laughs> don't tell anybody. You, 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 you see. Now that's hard, that's a hard sale, isn't it? Uh, he just got healed. And the Lord said, keep it to yourself. I think I read this out of a translation where it really breaks it down. Uh, uh, yeah, it's called Amplified Classic Edition. Let me read it out. This Jesus instructed him after he had gotten healed. He said, don't talk about this all of the time. Just quietly, quietly present your healed self to the priest. <laughs> he said, so, so you, you were leprous. I want you to take your healed self and don't stop till you get to the priest. Take your healing. He said, you got the healing, but, but just keep it to yourself until you get to the priest. And then he says, along with, he said, but when you get to the priest, I want you to go to the priest for two reasons, along with an offering ordered by Moses. Because Moses said, don't come empty-handed, but come with an offering as it was ordered by Moses. Your cleansed and obedient life, not your words now, will bear witness to what I have done. He said, "When you get there, you're cleansed and obedient life." Now, I like what he put it, "You were cleansed and you were obedient." He said, "So you cleansed and obedient life, not your words will bear witness to what I have done." Now that speaks loud to us, doesn't it? God clean you up, and then He requires you to be obedient because you're getting ready to make an offering unto the Lord. You're offering your body before the Lord, but then you're also offering your substances before the Lord. He said, but your healed and clean self will, will, will be that witness of what I've done. But but, here, but the man can keep it to himself. He could not keep it to himself. He, he did something else. He said, now, nah, I'm going to show myself to the priest, but on the way... <laughs> I Do you realize the condition I was in just a little while ago, just a few minutes ago? How can I not tell folk, "Hey, man, look at the skin. Look at how clean. Look at how, how 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 smooth my skin is." You saw me when I was coming to Jesus. Now look at me now. He said, "The man can keep it to himself," and and the word got out. Soon, a large crowd. Of people had gathered to listen and be healed of their sicknesses. So, so Jesus was telling him. He said, "I want you to keep it to yourself. Show your supreme." He said, "Because there's going to be a time. You see, other people be healed, but the Lord was looking at it as a delayed action. Later on, he's going to do something." He said, "But now you rush it. So what can I do? I have to heal all these folk. Big crowd has come in." Now, now, now I now I'm having to put my imagination hat on now. I believe it says it, it goes on to say as often as possible Jesus withdrew to out-of-the-way places for prayer. I believe the Lord, the Lord, after healing the leper, wanted to go into a private place. He wanted to be in seclusion. But now he can't. You see, he can't commune with his father. He said, the power is come as a result of my obedience to God, so give me some time. I probably would heal more people. I probably would do more work if you just let me spend time with my father. He said, but in the meantime, since the crowd is here, he's moved with compassion. I, you, you see the humanity of Christ. You see how real he is. He, he, said, he said, right now, the Lord has you. Here, here's, here's where i would be. I say, Lord... After you heal. I would believe, again, my imagination, I believe the Lord would get excited every time something like that would happen. It wasn't just like, be healed and move on to the next one. I believe he said, he said, Father, I thank You that You actually worked this miracle through me. You actually worked this thing through me. So, so you you think He would draw accustomed to it. But, but He maintained His enthusiasm every time God would use Him. Every time God would use him, the Father would use him. Now, understand, he from eternity know what God is about to do, but he maintained his excitement. I'm saying this to us, too. When God is doing something, don't, don't take it for granted. Don't take it lightly. Don't be, ah, that little something, God. No, get excited about Jesus. And don't have fake enthusiasm. We're just going to act like we, you know, B3 organ type uh, enthusiasm. We're just going to do that kind of… I'm saying real enthusiasm. So, now, let's look at this. So, so, now he has a crowd. So, Jesus has to pray. But as soon as he could get away from that crowd, as soon as possible, Jesus withdrew himself, and this time to an out-of-the-way place so he could pray. He had to hide. He had to hide himself because the crowd was pressing. Wanting more and more. So, so now, we begin to look at, show himself to the priest. Overly, now, now, understand, show himself to the priest. Uh, go before spiritual authority. I want you to go before spiritual authority who can authorize after examination that you are, in fact, clean. He said, now you see how clean you are, because you can tell everybody I'm clean. He said, but I want I, I want Verification of the fact that you've been clean. When you show yourself to the priest, uh, verify uh, it, verific- verify the, uh, the evidence presented. Why? For without external examination, you stand the chance of connect- contaminating other people with your disease even when the symptoms no longer appear to be there. Do you see that? Now, now understand the spiritual implication. You see, I've I, I, I told a couple of people recently, I said, now, uh, one brother in particular was saying, he said, man, he was talking about his influence. He said, I can make a phone call right now. I can fill the church up. He, he, he's, he didn't come to church much, but he said, I can make a phone call. because He has that kind of influence. He said, I can make a call, and I can feel, I can have people coming. I said, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I said, don't make that call because if you make that call, they're coming merely because you commanded or commissioned them to come. What I want you to do, when you get to the place where this that you've heard from me has become so meaningful to you that now you are compelled to invite them as it was with the leper. You can't keep it to yourself. Then I want you to shout it from the housetops." And then they will begin to look at you. They said, well, I want, in fact, all he has was testimony then. He said, you remember how I was? Man, Jesus came into my life, and He is the difference in my life right now. Now, now, they're going to say, what church do you go to? Who taught you what you've learned? How? You, you see, the enthusiasm, that's why I say we don't lose our enthusiasm, but we have to have some enthusiasm. We have to get to the place where we allow that Word to become real within us, and then when we speak, we speak in such a way that it becomes compelling. It will draw people to Christ, and people need to see that and hear that. What, what's real today? What's real today? You you see. So he says go show. Not now now that was one situation, but then there was another. I mentioned on a, on, 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 on a Sunday we talked about the lepers that were the, the, the ten lepers. The ten lepers and in Luke chapter seventeen and verse eleven, he said not happened as he went to Jerusalem he at, at that he passed, Jerusalem that passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee that he entered a village, a certain village, there he met 10 men who were lepers, who stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. So he's crying out, they're crying out, that the Lord would have mercy upon them. And then what happened Jesus, the same thing happened now to 10 that happened to the one. All 10 of them received their healing. All 10 of them received their healing. But only one returned to give thanks. They were too busy after having received their healing to even talk about it. Now, that was different from what happened with the one. They were so busy. They said, now that I got my healing let me go on about my life. It ain't praise God. Man, I'm so glad I'm not in the condition that I, once, I was once in. You see how the ungrateful can, can get to the place God can do great things in his or her life, and that person just go about as if it was nothing. And, and you would wonder. You said something that, that, that dynamic taking place in one's life, how can you not talk about it? But there's evidence that these were lepers. They, I don't know how long they had leprosy. But they weren't talking about it. They were too busy celebrating. What are all the stuff that I couldn't do before I had leprosy? Remember we used to party? Remember how we used to do such and such and such? Man, I can't wait to get back out to my partners and do the stuff that I used to do. You see what I mean? I can't wait to get back in the club now because now I ain't got, I'm, not a, I'm not a standout. I'm, not, I'm no longer diseased. Man, we can do some stuff like we used to. I could probably get a wife now. I could probably get a job now. I can just do. You see what I mean? So, they all began to return to whatever they were doing beforehand. Only one came back to give thanks to the Lord, and he was a, Samarian, a Samaritan. None of the others gave him any attention. Not now, not now. We, we talk about them. Let's examine ourselves. Has God done anything? How grateful are we? How grateful are you for what God has in fact done? Did you come back and give thanks? Will you continue to come back and give thanks to the Lord? You see, now we talk about getting the Word, but what about just coming here to give thanks to the Lord? Lord, I thank you. Uh, you see, praise the Lord in the company of other believers. Praise the Lord in the sanctuary. Praise the Lord with high-sounding cymbals, with the drums, with, you see, I just want to thank you. If nothing else, you see, we came to give thanks and gratitude for what you have, in fact, already done for us. Because we were spiritual lepers before the Lord got a hold of us. But then God did something. And then, if that be the case, then we bring an offering uh, to the priest as Moses has commanded. Now, 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 uh, Here's what we look at as we begin to go before the Lord. God, we want to know how to stand. How ought we to stand? Let's go back to understanding the fact that we are, if we're priests, it has to do with standing. Remember the Scripture out of uh, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13. It says, uh, wherefore, it says, take ho- first of all, take on the whole armor of God that you be able to stand against the wicked one or the evil one, the, the devil. He says, and have, after having all to stand, it says in verse 13, wherefore take on the armor of God that you may be able to withstand the day in the evil one, and having done all to stand. That has to be preparation. That's preparation. Having done all to stand. How are we preparing ourselves so that we can stand, and what are we standing? Against the wiles of the evil one. We're standing against. It, it, so, so, it is saying, in essence, that the attack is inevitable. The attack is there. That the enemy does what the enemy does. That there's going to be some things that's going to try our faith. There's going to be some things that come against us. It says, so now... He said, take on the whole armor of God. Be equipped so that when the times come, you have on the right equipment. He says, and then being equipped is preparation. You're prepared. You are, you, if you're in, uh, in military, any of you serve in the military, any of you serve in the military, if, if you serve in the military, you understand you had to put on some, some, some equipment. You don't just go out there with your street clothes and, uh, and that's it. But you need to have some stuff on because you're going to face, your, your objective is to fight and to be engaged in warfare, battle. So now the same thing applies to this. It says, after having done all to stand, stand therefore. One must yet stand even after preparation has been made. After having made preparation, with all that stuff, you've got to stand with it, stand with it on. You say, well, I put the stuff on, and, and, and then have you been a place where you put your clothes on, and you say, I'm going to go sit here for a while. I'm going to go sit here for a while. No, you put the clothes. Uh, when, when the alarm go off, you could relate to that. alarm go off, and you hit the snooze button. You, you said, we said, well, it's time to get up. And the preparation has been made. Uh, see, uh, the toothpaste is in the tube. The toothbrush is in place. You see, the shower is just right around the corner. Everything is there for me to put on. My clothes in the closet. All I do is get up and start the process of getting prepared to face the day. But sometimes you sit there and say, I just don't feel. I just, let me just take a few more minutes. You see, what happens? You see, you're delaying the process of preparation. Now, in other words, when it gets ready, to do whatever you do a day, it's going to take more time and effort. And then you come in late. You say, well, oh, everything was good. Well, you delayed the process of preparation. Therefore, on the other end, you lost some time. (laughs) Am I I okay with that? You lost some time. And, And the time was, if you wanted to be prepared, you must start early enough to get prepared. Now, let's go on. So now it says that, you see, the contributing factors have been made. You put on, you stand. You must stand even after being prepared, having your lawn girt about with truth and having on the breastplate, you know all of it, breastplate of righteousness. You put all the artillery on. The contributing factors that enhances one's ability to stand. Now, I can stand against. I don't just stand. They didn't help me stand. They helped me to stand against. You see, the preparation got me to stand, but then the equipment helped me to stand against. If these things are not in place, that person is destined to fall. or, Or if he stands, he or she is standing on shaky ground. When things begin to happen, he's unstable. Instability. You see, you're on a rocky road. I began looking this way. This is where I looked at it. I said when that person is standing but he's uncertain as to whether he should stand or whether he should take another few minutes, the Bible says the person is double-minded, double-minded. Double-minded man is unstable in all his way because he's not really made up his mind or her mind to really do a particular thing. Now, we, I, I'm using an analogy when it comes to one getting up in the morning, but I'm dealing with spiritual matters now. Spiritual matters. Ought I to do it? Ought I not to do it? You see, and understand the delay in preparation makes it difficult to, to participate. Delay in preparation makes it difficult to participate. You say, well, I just can't, I just don't know. Look like everything in the world comes up, enters into the picture, that makes it more difficult. And you say, why is that? Because you keep delaying what you ought to be engaged in instantaneously. If you develop the habit of preparation, then you'll be ready to face whatever you're to face that day. You have to develop the habit of preparation. I, m- I must do a particular thing. And, and that's what I do. It. I said, now. I'm, I like to get up. I don't use a—I I, I mentioned before, I don't use an alarm clock. I, I ask God to help me to be so disciplined that I can get up at 5.30 every morning. I asked the Lord to discipline, help me do that. And I said, the only way I will sleep beyond that, I said, Lord, you're letting me sleep beyond that. And, and that should be the exception rather than the rule. Because if it's the rule, then, then the Lord told me I could stay in bed all week. <laughs> he said, you ought to take this week off. Now that you took this week off, the Lord just spoke to me this morning. He said, "Take next week off too." (laughs) He said, "You know, in fact, just go take the month off because you 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 overworked, you overtaxed yourself. You know, you're tired. You see how it is. Yeah, it is. But 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 when you when you recognize that this is preparation to face today, you take a whole different attitude towards it all. So now, look at what he says here. So so you you you're you're able, double-minded man. I would say not just double-minded. You can be triple-minded. <laughs> you could <can> be quadruple-minded. <laughs> I got so many things on my mind that I'm tired now. I got to go to bed. I got to rest a while because my thoughts now have made me tired before I even engaged in any activity. I thought about all the stuff I have to do that I'm too tired to do anything. <laughs> have you been there? Just too tired to do anything because I thought about all the stuff I had to do. I had to, I, I, I'm being delivered from that. And, and then I call it also being scatterbrained. Just, just call it what it is. That's being scatterbrained. Your mind is just, your mind is overworked. Your mind is all over the place, and you're not focusing in on the one thing that's most important. Then random thoughts uh, enter into your mind. Thus, you find yourself living a random life of uncertainty. You're liable to do anything or you might not do anything, <laughs> you see. And then that person has to live this life that God has given him or her. You've got to live that life because he still requires you to live the life. We talk about the whole thing of, 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 of understanding our purpose. You still must be perf- purposeful and intentional. You find yourself building your life upon unverifiable evidence, stuff that's unproven, stuff that cannot hold water. You build your life on speculations, speculations, and then you run the risk of losing because you did not count the cost. Now, I thought about that from the physical and how it applies to the spiritual. It causes when, when you're that way, you're dizzy. Dizzy. You, you know, this whole thing of spiritual vertigo. Spiritual vertigo where you can't even stand up straight and you, you're imbalanced. Everything is out of control, out of, you see. And, and, and we learned, I think Francine told me that, you focus in on red, who that? Dr. Priscilla. Dr. Priscilla Johnson told her. She said, "She said, focus your attention if you have vertigo." He said, "Focus your attention on something that's red." He said, and I, I began to think about that. I said, "Now, how does that apply spiritually? Focus your attention." <laughs> y'all got it. Y'all got it. Focus your attention on something or oh, one, one thing. One thing, and it's red. <laughs> Y'all got it? The blood. (laughs) The blood. Focus your attention on the most important thing. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He said, and that's your deliverance from spiritual vertigo. (laughs) You get delivered from it. You'll be delivered from it. So now, I'm almost done. We, We look at what happens, as we begin to look at uh, all of this, God will—in fact, I'm going to quit now—God will bring us to a place whereby we can begin to see into matters that we otherwise would have been incapable of seeing. We'll be able to see into those things. That's what God said. He said, he said, now the reason that spiritual insight it is not just, you, you, people wonder, why is it so boring? I got to sit under the labor of hearing another sermon. I have to, I got to listen, first of all, a choir going to sing, and I already know the song, they finish, which I'll finish so I can move on, move on to something else. Now, here he comes. Uh, he'll come past walk he's gonna give a, he gonna tell us gonna make us feel bad about ourselves <laughs> you see he's gonna make us feel bad about ourselves because he's gonna tell us the things that 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 we need to uh, Im- improve upon and we need to get right within our lives he said I I, I, I get so tired you know you know, you know because it's really saying we talk about embracing our purpose the Lord is giving you spiritual insight and understanding. Listen to the word, understanding. He's given you spiritual insight and understanding. When we talk about understanding, there's a foundation on which you're established. There's something underneath you on which you're standing upon. That's what it really helps us to understand. You're standing on something that's solid, on something that's firm. It's a rock. It's a rock. You see, the rock of Jesus Christ, the rock of revelation, upon this rock I'll build my church. A church with understanding is a church that's not easily shaken. And understanding all thy getting, get some understanding. Don't judge or prejudge what you do not understand. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask God. <laughs> he will give it to you liberally and won't, any, won't even upbraid you when you ask him. But this is what happens you'll say, That's too deep. Why? Because most people i say that's not spiritually, uh, I would say, uh, alert or transformed will be at a place where they desire to hear that which is more appeasing to the conscious, not just to the conscious, but to the soul. We had a good time, didn't we? Uh, Feel good messages. Feel good. I felt good Feel good day. Felt good, man. That felt so good. I felt refreshed because he told me I'm gonna get my, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna, my house gonna be paid off in 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 three weeks, and 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 somebody gonna give me a car. I don't even have to work for it. Somebody gonna give me, give me a car because the Bible said you'll build houses. That how, how did that scripture go? Houses that you didn't build and you'll have things that you, fields that you didn't, you know, the fruit or whatever that you didn't labor for. He said, so all this stuff is coming. It's mine. I'm going to get my stuff. Hmm. And I came to church so I could figure out how I can get my, bring it on. Get my blessing. You see. And then is breeding deeper levels of selfishness, greed within your hearts. And you'll never come to know Christ for who he really is. But get understanding. And then when the winds come and the waves beat against your life, you'll not fall. But you'll continue to stand because the high priest of your life is making intercession for you. Thank you, Lord, for this. And we give you praise for all that you're helping us to see and to know and to understand. And Lord, I pray that these series of teachings will reach its target, that we'll not be in a place where we take these things lightly and just go about our own business. And I believe that the situations of life that's taking place now will cause many to take a second look at what many have walked away from or have esteemed very lightly. But it's that slap in the face of reality that will cause one to reconsider the truth that can transform their lives. So, Lord, I thank you that you didn't leave us in a state of ignorance. But Lord, you loved us enough and love us enough that you continue to pull the heartstrings of our hearts to woo us back into your grace. So thank you for this congregation. Thank you, Lord, for what you've already started for this year, 2024, even on New Year's Eve. Now, Lord, may what happened on New Year's Eve be a continuum throughout the whole year. That we won't start off in faith and end up in doubt and unbelief or in works. But we will finish the assignments given. We thank you for this. We give you the honor, praise, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.